following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. You might not believe it, but in a past life, I've run four marathons. Uh, don't don't look at today, sorry. But how do you know if someone's run a marathon? Don't worry, they'll flip and tell you that they did. <laughs> I had a plaque I was going to bring in today to say, see, I've done it, but I, I forgot at home. But they will let you know <laughs> that they've run a marathon. And, and my first point this morning is going to be that we have to keep on running. We have to keep on running. As we talked about in the... Uh, and uh, get ready this morning. You know, when you run a marathon, the worst thing you could do is decide you're going to walk. Because once you go into that walking phase, you're not starting back up. You're never going to start running. It's just psychologically and physically, your body just says, I'm not going to do that. So almost nine years ago, on April 15, 2013, there was a tragic event that changed the lives of several hundred people who were in attendance and that terrible, terrible effect, kind of a attack, affected the city of Boston for, for many years. And the event what I'm speaking of was the Boston Marathon bombings. And I don't know if you remember it, but it claimed three lives and injured over 260 other people at the finish line. And, and this traumatic effect, uh, event caused several people to lose legs and feet, and it required several months of, and in some cases, years of physical therapy and training in order to get these people to be able to walk again and to get their, they had a lot of them had prosthetic devices. And, and despite the horrific outcome of the, of the bombing, several of the victims of the event uh, assembled marking the one-year anniversary of the race, and they 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 stood together and they were, pressing on to continue to live their lives, living their lives. Some were standing up on on their own. Some were walking, some were dancing, and some were running. And some of the victims have actually vowed to run again in this race, and over the last eight years, a few of them have run the, the marathon. And, and many of their stories have been kind of an inspiration to many others. And I think this is the crux of this story. When faced with obstacles in their lives, instead of allowing that event to paralyze them, many decide to keep on running. Have you ever gone through something in your life that just, it was so, so cataclysmic that you just said, I can't do this anymore. But then you find the faith. You focus your eyes on Jesus, and you continue your race. And, and that's the same message that the Apostle Paul is giving to us all this morning in, in our text. Uh, he encourages us all, not just Fred or Amir or Alex or the pastor, but all of us to keep on running the race that God has placed before us. Even when we endure discouraging times, in our lives. You know, we get discouraged. We get overwhelmed. And Paul writes to the Jewish believers uh, who believed in Christ 
during a time when they were struggling with their faith. It wasn't an easy time. Uh, it was a time when there was tension and a lot of difficulty in the world going on, and they embrace, and, and especially as they were embracing their new Christian faith. And, and in the previous chapter of Hebrews 11, which is also known as the faith chapter, where we had the hall of fame of our faith warriors, the writer of Hebrews gives us a long list of witnesses and their testimony of faith. And it's in their fearless faith that they continue their race that was set before them. You know, they serve as an example that no matter what, whatever we may face in life, we must keep on running. When we look at all those folks in Hebrews 11, they lived lives very similar to ours. Might have been a long time ago, but it was very similar. They had ups and downs. They had doubts. But they were living a life of fearless faith. And I would encourage us to do that because Christ will get us through. We'll get us through. You know, when we enjoy, we endure the test, you know what happens? We have a testimony. When we endure a test, we have a testimony. Does anybody have a testimony this morning? Come on, I know you all have. You all do. Come, Marty, you're right. They're awful quiet. I'm doing, I'm doing my best here. Come on now. Work with me. You can even say I, amen or preach on or something like that. That'd be all right. Amen. Thank you. There you go. Now, <laughs> that was a shameless plug. <laughs> you know, the apostle Paul uses this metaphor of an athletic competition to describe the Christian journey. And they would have understood that metaphor back in the, in, in the time that Paul was preaching because the Greeks, they started the marathon. They started the Olympic Games. They, they did that. And he was explaining that we are to run with endurance the race that has been set before us. To run with endurance. You know, life's not a series of sprints or a series of hurdles. Life is an endurance race. I'm starting to get gray hair. Come on, that was pretty darn funny. <laughs> but you know, we endure, as we get older, we, we seem to endure, we look back on all the things we've gone through in our lives. And you know, uh, so this idea of our Christian journey was, was being, comparing it to a race was nothing new to Paul or to the people of his times. And he often used symbolisms of, of athletes so that others could relate to what was being said. And I believe that people understood what it meant to run a race. And you know, it's applicable to us today. We know what it's... Anybody watch the Summer Olympics? You see all these guys racing? Yeah, there you go, Ray. I see you. But uh, yeah, they run, but they just don't get out there and run. What do they have to do? They have to train for it. They have to train for it. And... Uh, and Paul, he's saying that there's nothing that will stop him from running his race. I remember I was running the Honolulu Marathon, and there's a part of the marathon, you hit the 20-mile mark, and they call it the wall. Well, the wall was at the base of Diamond Head, and Diamond Head goes up about a 30-degree angle. 
And I'm, you know, at the 20 mile mark, I know I got six left. I'm feeling pretty good until I hit the wall. And it's like, I'm just going to walk this hill. And the inner mind was saying, if you do, you never finish. So I, I thought I was running. I, you probably could have walked faster than I was, but I was chugging. I'm going, I'm going. This little old Japanese lady, she has a banana in her hand. I hate bananas. But I was so hungry, and she's yelling, Hanto, Hanto. So I'm thinking she's saying, for you, for you. And I run by, and I snatch this banana, and I stuff it down my throat. And then she starts yelling at me because it was for the little Japanese guy behind me. <laughs> hanto, hanto means go, go. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's interesting to notice that the word in the original Greek for race meant something different than we understand it today. In Paul's era, the race was often used to describe a, a conflict or a struggle of many kinds. We are to run this race that was set before us with endurance. Within our lives, we're to, we're to face this race and we're to endure the race by exhibiting fearless faith. When we look to Jesus, we will finish our race. You know, there's many times in our lives when we may get discouraged by the obstacles that we face in life. And uh, it's in times like that that Christ lets us continue to run the race with endurance. We just have to look for him for encouragement. Looking to Jesus who will give us strength to begin and to finish or to complete our race. And I believe the text of this morning gives us three points that we can we can come away from that will encourage us to keep on running the race that uh, has been set before us. The first thing I believe is that this text tells us that others have endured the race we face. You know, we think we're so unique. You know, <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun. Our trials, our tribulations, our race... People have endured it before us. And if we look at the, 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 the A clause of the, uh, verse one, it says, therefore, we also, or since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the, the author begins this verse by saying, therefore. It's a continuation. It's a demonstration of the enduring, uh, is carrying on the thoughts of Hebrews chapter 11. And and all of God's people in Hebrews chapter 11 faced some of the same trials and obstacles that we we face today. And they did it by faith. And you know what's amazing? They overcame them all. Paul says, therefore, we also. It means we're going to face the same kind of storms. We're included in the testing of our faith. It wasn't just for the heroes of uh, chapter 11. We're taking part in God's narrative. We're also going to face some struggles, guaranteed. 
So if you can this morning, just for a second, to reflect on some of the moments that you've had for a few moments on the storms that you might have faced. Maybe you've faced them in the past few days. Maybe the past few weeks. Past months. Anybody have some challenges this year? It's called COVID. Has that not been a challenge to all of us in one way, shape, or form? You know, whatever it is that you have faced or you're going to face, Paul says this, Therefore, we also, we will face what the champions of faith in Hebrews 11 faced. But when, but then we see that the author envisions these a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. They're the champions and they're the finishers of the race that we're in right now. And let me suggest, maybe they're kind of like our heavenly cheerleaders. I, I, I like to think of Jimbo or Bill or Miss Helen or Joe Davis. And so many others of this fellowship that are our cheerleaders in heaven right now, cheering and encouraging us to go along. And I believe that they're there encouraging us to finish the race that is before us. Paul paints this picture as if we're in this great coliseum filled with all these spectators cheering us on running the race. Ever see at the end of a race is the finish line and people are all there? They're there to cheer you on, to congratulate you. But you know, this heavenly cloud, they're not just spectators. They're former participants. They've been in the game. They're the former runners. Now They're in glory now, giving us the spiritual high five. You've done good. And they're encouraging us to keep on running. They've been victorious. Because they kept on running. They're now in glory because they ran all the way through to the finish line. Most of you know my dear friend Jimbo. And you know, Jim had a tough race the last five months of his life. And you know, he was suffering from a very painful bone cancer. And I, when you live with someone 24-7, you get to know them. Never once did he complain. Never once did he cry out. He had endurance. He ran his race. Man, I, I wish I had that faith. Just such faith. You know, my friends, the same people found in Hebrews chapter 11... You know what? They're no different than you or I am. There is nothing about them that makes them superhuman. But it was this, by faith that they endured what they went through. By faith. Don't we see that others have endured the race that we face? In the... I would venture to say we've all lost a family member in this church. We've all gone through the grieving. We've all gone through the loss. We should be encouragers to those that have 
and just starting to go through it. You know, in this race that we're faced with today in our lives, it's not about trying to finish first. I knew I was never going to beat the Ethiopian kid. You know, he's got lions and tigers and bears chasing him, you know. (laughs) I'm looking for a banana. (laughs) You know, we're not trying to finish first. Christ already won the victory for us. He already won it. It's all about being faithful and finishing. It's all about enduring to the end. It's all about running to the finish line. And sometimes there are obstacles that come our way that are hindrances to our Christian race. And these obstacles get in the way of our spiritual growth. And these obstacles get in the way to deter or to slow us from finishing the race before us. And I think that's what Paul, I I believe that's what Paul was talking about in the remainder of verse 1. The B clause of it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us. You know, from that passage, I believe it's saying to me, we have to discard our distractions. The author says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to be transparent with each other this morning. Are there certain things in our lives that are slowing us down in our Christian race? Are there things in our Christian race that, in our Christian life that are distracting us from what God has for us? You see, my friends, these things can hold us back. They can hold us back from growing spiritually. Sin can stunt our growth and prevent us from growing and prevents us from growing in the way that God wants us to grow. It reminds me of what it takes to grow tomatoes. Now, I don't have a green thumb because I know I can kill a cactus, and and I've done that before, but I do know a little bit of something about growing tomatoes. And and I know that there's certain things you need. You see, when you plant tomatoes in the ground, there's certain types of tomatoes that need to have stakes or cages for support. And tomatoes, when they grow, that have no natural way of holding themselves up, if they're left on their own, the tomatoes will vine along the ground. And when they vine and they grow along the ground, they stunt the growth of the plant. And it won't produce the fruit that it was created to produce. So when the plant is left on the ground, it's subject to all kinds of diseases and bugs and critters that can destroy a tomato plant. And so the plant's growth is stunted. It's hindered along the ground. I tell you that because isn't that how sin is in our lives? If we aren't mindful that there's sin of the world that can easily ensnare us and to prevent us from growing, 
That's why when you plant certain types of tomato plants, you have to plant a wooden stake or a cage in the ground next to it. And when it begins to grow, you tie it to the stake and it begins to produce fruit. The stake will provide the direction for the tomato plant to grow in. And again, I think that's just like us. As Christians, we're to cling to the cross of Christ. And when we do that, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit that will grow spiritually, will grow spiritually, putting away the things that cause us to sin, putting away the things that easily ensnare us as we cling to the cross of Christ, because Christ will help us to grow spiritually. But we have to discard our distractions. There may be something this morning that's holding you back from your race. There may be a hindrance that's holding you back from what God wants you to do. But the author isn't just talking about sins that hold us back. He says, lay aside every weight. These are the things in our lives that may not necessarily be sin. But it's holding us back from running the race. Me, it's like 50 pounds. You know? It may be wrong choices that we're making. It it may be something that's hindering us compared to something else that may not be hindering us. Let me see if I can make this clear. I would submit that statistically, there are some of us here this morning that have some sort of baggage in, our, in their lives. Things that we have grown comfortable with. Whether it's emotional baggage from our childhood or from bad relationships. Things that we just carry around with us. And sometimes that baggage can weigh us down and become stumbling blocks for us. But often, you know, we grow used to them and we don't want to go through the pain and the trouble of discarding them. We we grow used to some of our discomfort. Another word, resentments. You know, sometimes we like to carry our resentments because it feels good. I am so mad at them. I don't know why, but I am mad at them. I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody here this morning or maybe just to myself, but the Lord wants you and me to discard our distractions. Lay aside the weight that's holding us back to let it go because it's stopping us from running our race to the best of our abilities. I remember that in my teenage years, I was very involved in competitive sports, whether it was football, hockey, or baseball. And truth be told, hockey was my favorite. I I loved playing hockey. So I'm in high school, and my high school coach, who was an awesome but somewhat scary man. He had a tremendous impact in my life. Coach Johnny Elder was a retired Marine Sergeant Major, and he was the epitome of that. And I scared the <laughs> out of me. But I remember training and practicing for hockey. And one of the things Coach Elder had me and the rest of the squad do was wear ankle weights. And as a matter of fact, the coach even... I was kind of ticked off. He called my parents and he said, you know what? Oh, Fred needs some uh, ankle weights. His birthday's coming up. Go buy him some ankle weights. 
And I was kind of bummed out because I didn't want ankle weights. But I remember in my mind saying, what am I going to do with these things when I open? Hey, happy birthday, ankle weights, yay, yay, <laughs> love them. Uh. But what happened was Coach Eldert, on the day of a hockey game, which is usually in the afternoon after school, he would have our, us wear ankle weights all day long, up until just about the time we were ready to go onto the ice. And then he would have us take them off. And after having the weights on all day, when it came time to skate, my legs and feet felt lighter than they ever. It felt like I was skating on air. It made me skate faster because I didn't have the hindrance on my ankles. Now, I'm not going to say we won every game because we wore ankle weights. Spoiler alert, we didn't. We lost one, but we were still district champs. But but I know it made skating up and down the rink a whole lot easier, not having these weights. Imagine this, though. Imagine I hadn't taken the weights off as I was during the skating in the game. I would have probably been the slowest guy on the ice. That's why we have to discard the weight. The author's telling us here that we need to put down what is preventing us from running the race so that we can finish, so that we can run with endurance. We need to discard all our distractions. We need to run with endurance, with determination, with patience. We have to master and overcome what's put in front of us. You know, there may be moments when you find yourself Overwhelmed by your circumstances. Been there, done that. Everybody else got the t-shirt? It may be a race that you did not want to face. But you know what? It's the race that you're in. And at that point, we have to make up our minds that we need to keep on running. We're to remember that others endured the race that we face. We have to discard our distractions. My final point is that we need to do this. We need to focus on the finisher of our fearless faith. Let's look at the text in verse 2. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The New American Standard says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We can only run the race as we look up and have our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our inspiration. He is our example. He is our author. He is our creator. He, and it's Jesus that actually gave birth to the Christian race. But here's the amazing thing. Christ is also a finisher. That means he perfected, he completed, he accomplished the Christian race. Now Paul is telling us that Jesus was the one that ran the course perfectly. Perfectly. He finished the race without stumbling and without any sin. He was always obeying God the Father. We're to focus on the 
finisher of our faith, to help us finish our race, to help us to be faithful, to help us to discard our distractions, to keep us on the path to the finish line. Christ endured the cross so that we will experience the glorious day of redemption. Think about that. One day, you know, we're all going to be in glory with him. But today, we have to keep on running. Christ ran the race and endured it, and now he's in glory, seated at the right hand of the Father. He ran the race, and he hung his head, and he died on the cross. I am looking forward to the day when we'll hear him say, Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. We just have to keep on running. We can't decide to start walking or slow down. We have to keep on running. We have to keep on running focused on the finisher of our fearless faith. We have to keep running. Why? Because others have done it. We have to keep running. We have to discard the distractions. We need to keep on running. Marty, if the praise team would come up. This morning, I I don't know the condition of your heart. I don't know. I know the condition of mine. But this morning, if you haven't turned your life over to Christ, or maybe you haven't, it's just like the end of the year and you're saying, I need to recommit. If you haven't given your life over to Christ, I really, I'm begging you. Now's the time to do it. Because if you don't do it now, we don't, you don't know the moment or the time. We could stroke out just like that. So this morning, if, if you would with me, with all heads bowed, just pray a simple prayer like this. Put it in your own words or say the words after me. That, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you are Lord of Lord, King of Kings, and that you sit at the right hand of the Father. That you suffered, you died, you were buried, you rose again in fulfillment of all the scriptures. And Lord, I confess my sin to you. Lord, make me an open book that you see every everything I've done wrong. And I am so sorry. And I ask for your forgiveness. Now, based on the authority of Scripture, if you prayed that prayer or something similar, you're a born-again believer. You've committed your life to Christ. That can't be taken out of the Father's hand. You are, your place, your passport to eternity, to glory, has been stamped. And that's such a beautiful and such a, a lifting experience for each and every one of us. This morning, if you, you prayed that prayer, if you, you should share it with somebody, share it with the pastor, share it with Marty, share it with Jerry, share it with me, share it with somebody that you've, you've given your life to Christ or that you've recommitted your life to Christ. And once doing that, commit yourself that you will run your race. And that you will finish your race, keeping your eyes on Jesus.
And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.